Welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 27. I'm Kay here with my co-host Taz. Hello. Today we'll be discussing the seventh episode of season two, Home on the Remains. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Home on the Remains. After weeks without food, the crew is desperate to find anything to eat. Following Chiana's advice, they end up on a rotting corpse of a giant space creature where people mined for valuable crystals. Chiana has to make deals with people who knew her when she and Neri were roaming the galaxy, and Dargo has to figure out what kind of relationship he wants with her. Meanwhile, Aaron deals with Zan, who's begun growing spores that are wrecking havoc on Moya and her crew. I love the setting for this episode, which I just want to put out there up front because it's so cool. It's a giant space creature called a budong, and it's so big that when the episode opens, Moya is like next to its foot and dwarfed by its foot. And you get this really awesome zoom in when they go into it that just shows how monstrously huge it is. And I just love the idea of this creature and all the people in the galaxy Go, flocking to it to mine it for basically gallstones, which are these precious stones. I don't know if they're gallstones, but that's what I kept thinking. <laughs> these little, <laughs> these, uh, these crystals that are the currency on board. So the people living there are miners, and so we're in another Western-type setting uh, for trope. So it's kind of like the gold rush this time instead of what we saw until the blood runs clear. But it works pretty well. So you have, like, the big guy in charge and then all the miners who are who are beholden to him. The emotional heart of the story, though, is really the prodigal Chiana. And she's returning after having ripped off her friend Temen, who they are now going to find to see if the hill help them out with getting some food. And so we get to see how Chiana was in the past because it's very much a callback to who she was as a young person running around the galaxy with her brother and trying to survive. But we also start to see kind of how her relationships on Moya have started to change her, especially with Dargo. I definitely agree. The setting of this reminded me a lot of Deadwood. I almost got wish we'd gotten to see more of it, if that makes sense, because it oh, just yeah, seemed... Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, right? It just seemed so cool. And... I liked all the characters that we met and it was one of their really good episodes that you can tell they like put a lot of thought into what they were doing because mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, it's really, especially in episodes like this where it's more character stuff, it's really easy to just kind of sketch out the outside world. But just everybody in this episode was like a f- felt really fully developed and they felt like they each had a backstory you know, yeah. like we meet Chiana's old friend, Altana. Altana, I think. Yeah. yeah, Altana. And like she and Chiana just have this really awesome relationship. And actually, that was something I, I genuinely enjoyed because I like seeing I like seeing, first of all, characters that have pasts like our, you know, Chiana has a past. And also there's this tendency to kind of see Chiana as just this constant con artist, as kind of a Rigel, who, you know, somebody who doesn't really have real friends. But then here we saw that she did, that this person liked her enough to be friends with her and to share half of her wealth with her. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I will be honest. Yeah. 
I am I'm a super heavy Dargo Chiana shipper and I'd forgotten <laughs> I, I am but like I'd forgotten how distasteful I find the beginning of their relationship if that makes sense because yeah. like he kind of treats it first of all it's Dargo so he kind of is like really overbearing which I'm sure we're going to get into and also there is this kind of like really patriarchal element to their relationship that I don't super enjoy mm-hmm. at the beginning if that makes sense yeah it does make a lot of sense i don't know i've always find dargo super awkward with women that he's interested in a relationship in whether it's sexual relationship or more i don't know he just feels like he's all hormones and reaction to it and there's not a lot of thought about the other person other than he likes this person so he's going to guard and protect them and not let them do anything you know there's there's like the the denial of agency kind of thing going on. And you see that happening with Chiana here. And it's something that's part of Dargo's mini arc of this episode is him trying to accept that Chiana is not going to let him do that. Mm -hmm. And then how well he succeeds, we could probably talk about whether or not that really succeeds, but, but he has to confront that she does not want to be controlled by him. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about Chiana is that she is She's one of the characters that has just complete agency. And she is one of the characters that really does what she wants, you know, without a lot of regard for what other people think she should do, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense, especially this early in the series. And so it is kind of like, I, I think that partially what I find so distasteful about this, like their kind of, I don't know, their thing this episode is that... I, I don't enjoy relationships where it's where one character kind of treats the other person like somebody that needs fixing mm-hmm. or like the things that make them who they are are the problem. And that's kind of what I feel like is going on in this episode is Dargo really is trying to like fix her. He's trying to like control her and she's just not a character that can be fixed or controlled. Well, it's very much, we talked about this being a Western trope. In this setting, Chiana is the whore, right? Yeah. And he's trying to save and yeah. re- reform the whore because they are, they're starving. Let's, let's actually get into some specifics. So on board Moya, they have no food. They're starving. And Zan has started sprouting buds, which means that she is going into like deep Delvian survival mode of I must, uh, must eat or die. So they have a very urgent need to get food. They go down to the Budong and the mining town and Chiana's their point of entry and immediately they find out that her friend has just been killed by a monster called a Kidva. That'll come back later. But anyway, just been killed. And so his brother, who is in charge of the town, is the one that they are now have to ask for food. And I'm going to play this first clip about it. And the subtext is very much is Chiana, I will sleep with you for food. Here's the clip. Too bad you left so suddenly. Why are you back? Our ship's out of food. We're dying of starvation. I thought you could help us out. You want food? Hand over your weapons. No. Then stay hungry. Here you are, Marshal.
I'll feed your friends. But not you, Chiana. You used up my charity. So the character you hear speaking is Basog. Is that how we say his name? Basog. And he's the head honcho in town. So after he greets Chiana, she comes up and she's slinking against him, basically implying, I will sleep with you for the food. And you hear the growl. That's Dargo being like all possessive in the background of like, oh, you did not just touch her. Basog understands what that means, and Dargo's the one who doesn't want to turn over his weapons, and the way he could keeps con- Basog keeps control of the situation is he's going to deny Chiana anything, even while he'll deal with John and Dargo. Mm-hmm. And it's a very control, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a power play, right? It's, you are the one who has to pay all, pay the price and for past misdeeds and whatnot, and there's, there's no charity. Mm-hmm. Well, because... What happened was Chiana and Neri ripped off Temen, who was Basog's brother. I think his like older brother, it's kind of implied. Mm-hmm. And so they they ripped off Temen and then when they but Chiana's like, Well, Neri's dead now, so Temen will forgive. And then when they show up, the first thing that happens is they find is Temen is being carried out of the mine after being having been attacked by the creature. And Chiana, all the miners are kind of standing around panicking and Chiana is the one that ends up killing him because apparently he was touched by this acid pustule that there's no recovery from. It just continues mm-hmm. eating through you until you're dead. Yeah. I mean, it was a mercy, mercy killing on her behalf, yeah. on his behalf. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was definitely like a mercy. It was a mercy thing. And that's actually what... I think what saves her with Basog is that Basog comes up and he's kind of like, okay, well, you were the only one that had the balls to do what needed done, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, you can really see here that there's like a history between the two of them because even though she was with Temen, and it's pretty explicit that they were probably together, like together, together, as (laughs) soon as Temen is dead, she immediately switches to Basog because like I said, Chiana is just a character that knows mm-hmm. how to survive. And that's one of my favorite things about her. I think the other part of the subtext going on here is at one point, maybe it's later, Basog says, you chose Temen over me. So there's the implication that she was trying to play both angles until she had to make a choice in her past. And who knows how much that's still coloring his decisions. Probably a lot His about, you know, he knows he was her second choice before however much that really mattered at the time then now he's the one in charge and so she's going to dance to his tune Mm -hmm. yeah and he actually makes it pretty explicit later when she comes to him again because he's denied her food and but he's feeding you know john dargo and rigel and her friend altana comes up and is like don't worry i'll feed you and then altana is kind of talking to her and says, hey, I found this, you know, she feeds her and says, hey, I found this vein of the the crystals, and but the mine is closed. And so now Basag is probably down there looking for my, looking for my find. So then Chiana goes to Basag kind of to try and get him to open the mine so that mm-hmm. Altana can go get her crystals that she wants to share with Chiana. But also to kind of get meat for Zan, which we'll get into when we talk about the Zan plot line, but they, Zan needs meat. And so it's interesting because in that conversation, Basag essentially says, you know, she's clearly offering, I will have sex for you 
for meat. Mm-hmm. And Basar and Dargo comes up and is all like, you know, and he's all assertive and aggressive. And then Basak is like, no, I'm not I'm not playing for I'm not playing for sex anymore. I'm playing for keeps. If right. you know, I will give you meat in exchange for you being my sex slave. Yeah, pretty much. And I think he could have been deciding to do that in his head like the whole time, but it's definitely triggered like when he says that when when Dargo comes and tries to be possessive about Chiana, mm-hmm. it's like that's when he's more explicit about it. It's like, no, this is Chiana's mine now. You can't have her. And it, it feels very much about like two men posturing about a woman that they want to each possess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of kind of how it feels you know, I could definitely see Basag in his head making that decision already, even while Chiana is trying to seduce him. But that's when it comes out is when Dargo enters the scene. Yeah. And I think you're right about it. It must be a mirror image of what happened between Basag and Temin originally with mm-hmm. Chiana. That's at least what yeah. it feels like, is it kind of feels like Basag's yeah. chance to win with Chiana. Right. It just feels like such a classic. And I like your you're calling out Deadwood because it's like Al Swearingen you know, owns Trixie. all the whores, owns Trixie. He's not going to let her go. And it's kind of that same feeling you get here of, of the of the brothel owner wanting to assert dominance and power. And it's a power play against the other males around too. Yeah. Actually, I because I, I, I think that Deadwood is, is definitely what my like favorite Western show. I, I honestly don't think that there's going to be <laughs> another show like Deadwood. Deadwood's pretty awesome. But yeah, this relationship really did remind me a lot of kind of that Al Swearingen and Saul and Trixie and kind of that feeling of like power play. And I think that and I maybe that's maybe that's why I like this episode so much. And that's kind of why I like this tension so much. And maybe that's why I dislike Dargo's reaction so much, Mm -hmm. because in Deadwood, Saul made it super clear, like, this has to be your choice. I will not right. be choosing for you. And even Al is kind of says that to Trixie at a certain point of like, I'm always going to be here, but at the same time, you need to leave. You need to go be yourself. And yeah. And I think that maybe that's kind of what un- uneases me about Dargo is because Dargo isn't like, okay, Chiana, you need to make your own choice. He's really being like, I am the alpha male. I don't like this. I don't like you being slutty. <laughs> yeah. Go not be slutty. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's part of Dargo's arc, though, is he kind of gets to a closer point of that, of it being her choice. There's two clips that are kind of relevant to this, and I want to play the first one, which is definitely the overbearing Dargo one. And it happens right after Basog claims that the deal will only go through if he can own Chiana. Who were you thinking attacking Basog like that? What, did you think he'd just hand over the meat? It seemed like a better idea than waiting for you to frell him into submission. Yeah, well, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. I thought this was supposed to be about saving Zan. There are other ways to get the crystals that we need. I will not allow you to stay here with him. Don't tell me what to do! Well, someone has to! Chiana! Dargo, I had a brother. He's gone. I don't need another. I don't want to be... Your brother. What? I want to help you. So there you can hear Chiana is livid because she is not one to be controlled. And not just that, but it is extremely patronizing the way Dargo speaks with her about it. You know, 
you should not be doing this. You sh there are other ways to, to get what we want. And, and it's, it's just very much that controlling thing you were talking about, the very patronizing attitude he takes. And this is also the first time we hear, hear Dargo expressing his interest in Shiana explicitly. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be your brother. I want to be something else. He wants to be her partner or her boyfriend or whatever terms Luxon used for those things. Yeah, I think you're right. And maybe if I did look at it as an arc over the course of this episode, I would be more sympathetic about it. I think that maybe yeah. it's just me that needs to reframe it. Partially, like, I don't know. I, I, I know we already talked about Deadwood, but partially because that kind of is my, like, go-to for, like, yeah the best storyline of, like, the hooker with the heart of gold. Right. I mean, and they actually pretty much explicitly reference the, like, heart of gold thing later on. <laughs> but, like, I think that I honestly, I mean, there's, I can think of a couple of different other sci-fi shows that kind of have that sort of thing and the other one I'm thinking of is like Firefly but even mm. that one I just did not like as much as I like Deadwood and, and okay that's partially because Deadwood had you know many many episodes to devote to Trixie's development and to like making her a real character and so maybe yeah maybe I'll just try and see it as like Dargo yeah. developing rather than yeah. me being like Dargo this is not one of those times when I super enjoy your posturing <laughs> <laughs> well, Dargo posturing about women, I find, is never really fun. But that leads me to kind of continue the arc. There's this that second quote, which is much later on, when Dargo is helping Altana mine for the crystals, and he has a conversation with her about Chiana. And let me play that one, because that's kind of where the third part of, of Dargo is coming from. And so you can see the, see the arc. I'm not going to miss the stench, but I'll miss the thrill of it. Always living, constantly on your guard. <laughs> Alive and fighting. You sound like Jana. Oh, that girl. <laughs> She's a wild one. <laughs> She's got a heart of God. Her loyalties are certainly flexible, that's for sure. She'll do whatever it takes to get made for your friend. That's what worries me. Nah. We always came out on top, the two of us. We had our fun even when she and Temen were together. Oh, that fella, he was good for her and her brother. And yet, she repays his kindness by stealing from him. That's why it's very difficult to trust her. Daga, are you and Tiana together? No, or not yet. That's up to her. The no or not yet. I really like that. And how he replies is, that's up to her. And I feel like that's him kind of coming around to the idea of that she's the one who actually ultimately has to make the choice. He cannot force her. Mm -hmm. So that's, wh that's where I see, that's where I see Dargo's like mini arc in this episode. That's interesting because I'll be honest, when I listened to that quote when I was watching the episode, for me, it kind of landed on like, that's up to her, as in him being like, if she continues whoring, <laughs> then mm. I will not want to be with her kind of thing. Oh, okay. I like your interpretation better because I think it's more sympathetic to Dargo, who I know I've been ragging on him a lot this episode, <laughs> and I like, I, I, I genuinely do like him, but at the same time, like I said, this is just not one of my like favorite 
dark. Like, I don't know. That's a fair criticism of him in this episode because he he is very much behaving in that controlling manner. And it's it's one of the aspects of Dargo's character that's really actually not inconsistent with how he's behaved in past episodes Mm -hmm. around other females that he's, you know, we have... Uh, I guess the situation of Venus Mortis is a little different because Neelam is a uh, higher social status than he is. Mm-hmm. But but he's always been very protective of the people that he is sexually attracted to in relationships, however brief. Like, he won't take criticism of them from anybody else. Like, even with Neelam, he was only willing to criticize her in private. He never let anyone else do it in public. Mm-hmm. And I think he's trying to do that same pattern of behavior here with Chiana, where he's protecting her from other people. That's why he's attacked Basag. That's why he's, you know, doing the alpha male thing. But it doesn't work with work with Chiana because she will not let herself be protected that way. Yeah. Because she is her own free agent. And Altana even says it right here. She is a wild thing. You know, alive and kicking is the way you, or alive and fighting is the way she is, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good description of Chiana. And I think that's one reason I love her as a character so much is she is that free spirit and she is, that's the way she's had to learn to survive is to do anything, to be anything and never let anything get her down. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Dargo has to grapple with, especially since she isn't a one-off. She isn't somebody he meets and leaves. She is somebody that he lives with on a regular basis as a roommate, if nothing, crewmate, if nothing else. Yeah. And I think that I almost actually want to refocus at this point because we've been talking sure. so much about Dargo that I kind of want to talk about what Shiana's going through in this episode because she is not on board with becoming Basag's sex slave, you know? Yeah. Like she's not on board with that. But at the same time, her decisions throughout this episode just show her complete knowledge of the universe in a way that I don't think that uh, other characters really have on this show because even though she doesn't want to do it, she almost sees it as necessary just because of Mm -hmm. her past experience where she's kind of able to look and see like, okay, if this is the only way to get food for Zan and if this is the only way to get food for the crew, fine. I will, I might be willing to do that. And so I don't know. It's interesting to me that this is, this is where she wanted them to come because we didn't, I I mentioned it in the, in the summary, but she's the one that wanted them to come back here. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like the crew was like wandering around, found this planet and then, or found the, you know, the budong. And then she was like, oh yeah, well I used to live here. It's like, she told them we should go there. There's food there. We should go there. We should go there. So something about this place is calling her back. And I don't think it's her history with Neri there. I think it really is that, this is the last place other than Moya that she felt safe and cared about Mm -hmm. because we see that in her friendship with Altana that like Altana cared about her and Altana enjoyed being her friend and the same could probably be said about Temen. Well, not only that, but she asks when she's catching up with Altana about four or five different people and Altana says, well, this one died, this one left, this one, you know, what happened to them all. So it wasn't just Altana, it was like a whole crew, you yeah. know, she had, she had a group that she and Neri were part of and Temin was part of that too. And yeah, there is this sense of a, a found family that she ended up leaving at one point that she missed. Yeah. That's one of the things I really enjoyed about this episode is that, is, is that it gives Chiana context, but I don't know. I just really like the idea of her 
her almost wanting to introduce her new family to her old family. Yeah. Because it feels a lot like her assumption that she'll be welcomed there and her assumption that like, oh, I've got friends there is real, that they they really were her friends. And not just that, but that they would forgive her that the crime that she committed against them, Mm -hmm. stealing from Temen, because, you know, the bond that they had and the bond that they had with her brother Neri. So once they find out Neri's gone, that'll transcend any any harm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for certain. I think that if if I if we reframe it as less about Dargo and more about Chiana, mm-hmm. it's interesting because it almost becomes like this place that this place that she was genuinely happy and this place that, you know, she she had a family is now being really sullied by Basag who doesn't mm-hmm. want to play by her rules. You know, clearly right. Chiana's rules are, you know, fine, I'll do this, but not forever. I'll do it on my terms. You know, I'll sleep with you on yeah. my terms. And Basag is kind of sullying that by by being like, no, I'm going to own yeah. you. And also for Chiana, the sex part, I mean, it's such a fact of life and it's a practical matter. She has her body that she can sell. She's okay with it. She's willing to do it for whatever she needs. It's a survival tool. I mean, she probably doesn't, it's hard to tell how much it's how much it's a violation or not well, maybe not a violation but how much it, it wears away at her because she fronts so well that oh it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. You know her approach to sex and her offers of sex to like John and other folks and playing along with the peacekeepers back in the end of season 1. You know she's very comfortable with that. So Dargo making it that much more of a big deal. No, I mean I think it is a I think it is a good point that that Dargo making it a big deal kind of changes it from a fact of her life to something that's like dirty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe, that's maybe the most interesting thing about Shiana in this episode is that we've implied in the past that like, okay, clearly she has used sex as payment. She's used sex as trade. Mm -hmm. She's used sex before, but this makes it like really explicit that like, yeah, this is what she did. And this is what she did when she had a brother, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's funny about Dar about her telling Dargo, like, I don't need a brother is clearly Neri wasn't against her using sex for all these things. So maybe that's what throws her so off about Dargo. Mm-hmm. Is that she's not used to a traveling partner and a companion that really doesn't see sex as something to be traded. Yeah, and it's unclear how much Neri approved or didn't approve of it because she says, "I don't need another brother," and I'm not sure if, you know, I'm not sure if that means that Neri bugged her about it too, about you shouldn't be doing this or not. But yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. So I don't know. I just really like Gianna this episode. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. She's definitely a fave of mine, but <laughs> not to get all biased about it, but I don't think that's a surprise to anybody that listens to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So Chiana tells Dargo about the vein of crystals that Altana found, and Dargo offers to go down into the closed mine with mm-hmm. Altana to keep her safe from the Kidva. So they go down to the mine, and that's when Eltana and Dargo have that conversation about trusting Chiana. But meanwhile, John finds out what they're doing, and John goes after them. Mm-hmm. Rigel has also been thrown down in the mine because Rigel <laughs> lost at cheating at gambling. Oh, my God. Rigel had to find the gambling table, and he's like, you cheated. And the other guy's like, you were cheating, too. I just did it better. 
That's great. Oh my god. So the second plot of the Budong revolves around this Kidva, which is the creature that is terrorizing people and killed Temen, and that's the reason that the mine got closed, which is, of course, blocking people from making money. So in searching... They, of course, run into the Kidva. And, <laughs> oh my god. Can I'm just going to play the clip because it is the most hilarious moment of Rigel and John in a long time, and it's just great. Sorry, Crichton! Oh! No, you don't! You're not ditching me! Get off! Let go! Okay. There's no reason for both of us to die. I'm a dominar. You're just you! Shut the yap! And give it more gas! There is no more gas! Let go! Or both die! Screw you! We're going down! Right down! Let go! Or we're both die! For the last time! No! Let go now or I'll bite your fingers off! Screw you! Screw you! for you. Oh! What was that for? I ate your lunch. That dentix tasted better. You tasted worse. So the monster comes and Rigel has his throne sled and goes up because it can go up and John jumps on the throne sled and is hanging on and that's what they're fighting over because it can't hold both their weights oh and it's just god. so funny. Oh my god. Uh, I just love the line where he's like, I am a dominar. <laughs> you're just you. Uh, and also yeah. the reference earlier was that we said they were starving, but the crew is like really starving. So the episode opens on John frying dentix. Mm-hmm. And Aaron is like, you can't eat dentix. And John <laughs> is like, you can eat anything if it's fried. But then as soon as he tries a dentic, he like immediately vomits it out. It's so gross. Yeah. And then shoves shoves the rest of it into Rigel's mouth. And so at the end, Rigel trying to get John off bites his finger. And then the Kidva goes away because he hears the whistle. And John has to bite Rigel's ear <laughs> to get him to let go. And it's just, this is why having puppets is so beautiful on this show because they can do things like this where they're physically interacting with Rigel because he's a real corporeal thing. He's no CGI. And it's just, oh my God, that's like the highlight of the episode or one of the highlights of the episode for oh me. It's just gosh. so funny. It's just such good physical comedy. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, I just love every single thing about it. So yeah, funny. And I just love that, like, it's like both of them trying to like survive, and they're like fighting, and just <laughs> oh my god! And John is like, if I, you know, if if I'm going down, you're coming going down with me, kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because John's role in this episode is actually fairly minor. He's like the muscle. Mm-hmm. He's he's the backup to Chiana's plan. There's actually a great line at the beginning that we didn't pull, but it's very short. It's where it's like. Gianna has a plan and she tells it to John and then he turns around to Dargo and says, everything's going to be fine. Gianna has a plan. It's like all sarcasm and it's great. But he ends up, you know, he supports her with it. He goes through with it. He's He does what needs to be done. He takes care of Rigel. 
and he ends up being the one in the showdown with the Kidva and then killing it very smartly by uh, by closing a door on its head, which is actually a great little, you know, it's reminding me of like John the scientist thinking outside the box of like how to kill it. He doesn't need a weapon. He doesn't have a weapon. He turned it in mm-hmm. and he still manages to, to kill the to kill the beastie. Yeah. And I mean, it's also like a good Star Wars reference, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is nice because we mentioned in Taking the Stone how like it was a Chiana episode, but John was kind of the focus. And so it is it has been like a couple of nice episodes now where John lets other people be the focus of their own stories, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It makes perfect sense because he's he's no longer freaking out all the time. Like we talked about how in Vetus Mortis and taking the stone, he's like so freaked out about Dargo and Shiana getting hurt at all that he goes into this really overprotective mode mm-hmm. and, you know, probably a result of his trauma at the end of season one. And here he's, he's a lot more chill. He's, he's gone down to like more normal John levels of worrying about people. Mm-hmm. Which does allow him to have the showdown with the Kidva, but it means that Chiana gets the showdown with Basag. Because mm-hmm. John has figured out that Basog's controlling the creature, or kind of he he thinks it, and then he finds out for certain when Basog six the creature on him. <laughs> Basically trained it like a dog. Yeah, trained it like a dog. And Shiana gets the showdown with Basog. Because after Altana and Dargo were brought back up, and Dargo kind of said, oh, yeah, the creature, like, attacked us, and I don't know why, but, it, you know, it completely killed Altana, and Chiana is so upset, and she knows in her bones that mm-hmm. Basog is the one that did it. She doesn't need proof, and so she confronts him with a gun, and I want to I wanna play that, because it, it's interesting, given what we know about Chiana. I have no idea. Don't frown with me. Believe me. I'll believe you. Well, that's a joke. Get him up! Chiana, you're a thief and a trout, but you're not a killer. I'm evolving as a... as an individual. I know you. You won't shoot me in cold blood. You can't do it. what she does when she shoots at the end is she shoots one of the acid pustules and it squirts all over Basag because he's standing next to it and it melts his arm off it's like you know very fast acting very powerful acid it just the, the actually the the special effects on that's pretty cool because they're clearly like dissolving a glove that's around his hand and then his hand is like red underneath like his blood it's really gross and gory too but i kind of like the special effects there mm-hmm. so she can't shoot him outright and just directly kill him but she can hideously maim and potentially kill him very slowly with this acid attack yeah, and I think that that was the interesting implication to me was because early on in the episode when they bring back Temin and Temin is still alive, he's just like, it's like his lower half has been eaten by the acid and then she kills him and she's like, the you know, like nothing can fix the acid kind of thing. So right. I actually was like, well, maybe the acid just continues to slowly dissolve you <laughs> until you're dead. <laughs> Which- well, sci- science moment here. <laughs> 
there can be many secondary effects of acid that are not just the corrosive effects that you see here. This is cor the corrosive because it's dissolving directly. But you have acids like hydrofluoric acid that once they get into your bloodstream, they could actually like stop your heart. And so they, there could be secondary effects because of that. And all this is so fast acting that I don't know that it would actually get into his bloodstream. But it's like his arm is gone. So he has like gaping wound and he should be bleeding to death, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think we can kind of, you know, declare him KIA. Yeah. So here's here's a question I had when I watched that. Because we had this huge discussion back in Durka Returns when Shiana first joins the crew of whether or not she's the one who killed Salas or whether Durka killed Salas. And we have here Basog saying, you are not a killer. You are, you're a thief and a truck, but you're not a killer. So you won't kill me. And I know you. You won't kill me. So how does this episode change your thoughts on whether or not she killed Salas, considering that she just horribly maimed and potentially gave a slow, torturous death to Basog here. Mm, I don't know. I still think I'm going to go with Chiana not killing yeah. Salas. Actually, I mean, this almost convinces me more that she didn't kill Salas. Although we have seen her kill people before. That's the weirdest part about this is I'm kind of like, we saw her kill the captain in Nerve. Mm-hmm. With the flamethrower. With the flamethrower. And I, I'm trying to remember if she's like kill killed anybody else. For me, it, I think I agree with you. It makes me less likely to think that because I was the one who came in and said that she was the one who killed Salas because I like that idea for her. Mm -hmm. But it, this does make me feel like it's less likely that she did. But I could see her if someone had killed else had killed Salas like Durka or there was a theory floated by somebody that it was Zan. But she could have left him to die if she came across him. Mm -hmm. Like, I see that being part of her character. Whether or not that happened, we have no idea. But yeah. And I wonder, this is the second part of it. I wonder if it, you know, killing someone you don't know versus killing someone you know. I mean, mm -hmm. that's always adult, that's always a different situation. And she does have this history with Basag. So how does that change that whole calculus? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Well, and also there's a lot on the line in nerve mm -hmm. like she has to get off the ship Aaron needs the nerve graft and Chiana's own life is is very much at stake whereas yeah, and I, also it's a peacekeeper yeah and also it's a peacekeeper yeah. you know whereas I think with both Solace and with Basag it's there's a lot more thought that can go into it kind of thing mm -hmm. where you first of all with with Solace like she clearly has a relationship with him you know mm -hmm. like they have this kind of tension that shows that they've they've been talking for a while and that he's been chasing her for a while. And yeah. and also with Basog, they do have this very storied past, you know, where there's a history there that both of them are still acting on. Mm -hmm. So hmm. Yeah, I mean I'm still I think I think you're right about it making me less of the opinion that she killed Salas, but more of the opinion that she would have let him die or she would have put something yeah. in motion that that allowed him to die. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's, I don't know. I just like that question about her because it's, Chiana is a complex character and I think she's more complex the more I think about her, you mm -hmm. know, and what her motivations are and what drives her to do things. She's also the kind of character where circumstance definitely matters and it could go, go either way kind of, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Anyway, I just like thinking about that. So if anyone out there has thoughts on it, let us know. We're happy to chat about Chiana. Yeah, for certain. We're always happy to chat about Chiana. Love you, <laughs> Chiana. So glad you're here. <laughs> so
So, meanwhile, while all this stuff has been going down on the Budong, we have Aaron and Zan who are up on Moya dealing with Zan's budding problem. Oh, and- <laughs> Taz for real. <laughs> I can't help myself. Oh my god. <laughs> I really can't. But no, Zan literally has buds on her face and her body that are coming out because apparently she flowers when she's starving and it's a defense mechanism because Zan is a carnivorous plant. What's going on is the buds produce this pollen that attract animals and then make them weak. And we can see that because John and Dargo have these immediate, really awful allergic reactions to her. And eventually Aaron does too, but it takes Aaron longer to succumb. And then when the prey is weak, then the the Delvian pounces. And I really want uh, David Attenborough to narrate what happens with that, because that would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, so she's producing this these spores uh, from these buds on her face, and they're actually starting to interfere with Moya's systems mm-hmm. and making Moya numb and causing nerve damage to the ship. And so Aaron is up there up there dealing with it alone and Zan has gone into this very you know must eat very caveman Zan kind of the savage beast within her is how she kind of uh, phrases it later on Uh, so she's not very cooperative with it Mm -hmm. but I want to start with Aaron because how cool is it that Aaron is being all Miss Science Girl up on Moya without like protesting at all she's like very chill about say zan's like you you could probably make a solve when she's kind of in the early stages of this and aaron's like okay great tell me what i need to do and i'll Mm -hmm. do it yeah such character growth from season one you know it reminded me so much of thank god it's friday again yeah in like a in like just all the best ways because it's like aaron problem solving with pilot and Early on, she tries to make the solve, but that doesn't super help. And then she kind of decides that, like, well, Zan likes light, so let's just try light. And Pilot's like, uh, like, are you sure this is going to work? Like, why do you think this is going to work? And she's like, well, Zan likes light. Let's give her light. Let's see if that helps. And it actually ends up making it, like, really, really, really worse. (laughs) But she took the initiative to try out a theory. And I think that was just really cool. And then she built these racks of light around in Zan's quarters on her own and it was just this I don't know it just made the made my my science Aaron heart grow three times it was just great (laughs) so good it's so good like I like the I love the whole Aaron Zan plot line even though it's very minor but it's Mm -hmm. uh it's you know like it's a very it's a neat arc to see because Mm-hmm. Aaron is doing science, yay! And then in the end, though, when they can't solve the Zan problem, and when Zan's spores are like actively injuring Moya, Aaron's like, "Okay, well, let's get her on a shuttle, and we'll get her off Moya, and then you can get rid of the spores." But then Zan runs away, <laughs> and they can't <laughs> find Zan, and so eventually, she and Pilot, on their own, really have to make the decision to like expose Moya to the vacuum to get the spores out. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to me because the last time the characters have had to kind of decide to kill a crew member, it was way back in, in the episode where Moya gets pregnant. I'm trying to think. They've got a secret. They've got a secret, which can I point out that like Dargo gets Moya pregnant and then like three episodes (laughs) later, he's like, let's abandon Moya. And I'm like, Dargo, you literally got her pregnant. (laughs) Stick around. Anyway. Who's your daddy? Yeah. But so, 
so she and pilot have to make this decision and they end up making it on their own like there's no scene where they call down to the planet and they're like oh by the way we're thinking about killing xan like yeah yeah and they don't they don't consult john who is sometimes the person that's the touchstone for these conversations like he wasn't thank god it's friday again yeah and it's the other thing i really like about it is aaron and pilot are not, are getting along again yeah <laughs> you know it's just they have these really they still have this really great rapport with each other they're talking about it seriously and there's there's this mutual we're in this together kind of vibe going mm-hmm. yeah so xan does not die she she was able to get in somewhere and so command was sealed off so command was safe that's where aaron was and xan turns out to either have been on command or hiding in the vents and was able to to stay safe so she has she confronts aaron about though because she's she's in this as i said caveman xan mode so i'm going to play that conversation because i just love the reaching out that aaron does here mm-hmm. the pilot against me plotting my death nobody wanted you dead we did whatever we could to help you but we ran out of options your spores are harming moya would never harm moya Sad. look at me Barely talk, I could barely breathe properly. Your spores are doing that, and it's far worse for Moya. Moya. No. Life to confuse me. No. I'm trying to get through to you, and for the sake of your goddess, think. Think. Can't think. Hazy. Oh. Cut through the haze, Anne. Think. You're a Dolvian 10th level pal. You trade your mind to control your thoughts. Do it now. Uh, God. Help me. All right. I will. And Aaron's solution to helping her at this point is just to knock Zan out and make her unconscious, which is effective. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, I love Aaron's Zan conversation there. I love it a lot. I love it because it's Aaron showing just a real respect for Zan and for Zan's abilities. It's also Zan fighting through. And we've never seen this Zan before because usually when mm-hmm. everybody else is impaired, Zan is just in her happy place. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I think they're yeah, happy. like yeah, like in um, crackers, in crackers, yeah, in crackers. And so this is like the first time that we've really seen like Zan impaired. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the closest we came was actually in the other in the episode with the other Dalvians, uh, Blue, uh, the Rhapsody in Blue, when she basically gets her self control ripped away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even then, it's, I don't know, it's, I just, I really enjoy Aaron's respect for Zan here. Yeah. You know, she's not dismissive of Zan at all. And she's, she's searching for the Zan she knows underneath. And it kind of recalls to me, you know, how she's like, the people you love and care about. And she says in Mind the Baby, you know, those are the people you fight and die for. And Aaron is fighting for her right here in this conversation, trying to get her to come through. And, and it kind of works too. I mean... Zan is able to break through and ask her to help me. And I just really love that that Aaron is using her words here. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't go for the physical option immediately. She's, she tries to speak and reach Zan first. 
and so it's her first option instead of her second and that's you know it's that's a change for Aaron who has always been the very physical person and very direct in how she deals with things mm-hmm. in the past and for Zan you know Zan's our damsel in distress here and I gotta say like the whole Aaron and Pilot making a decision to hurt Zan like I feel like it's a very low stakes and from the audience perspective because we know they're not really gonna kill Zan yeah <laughs> she's the main character and at this point, you know, it doesn't feel like they're going to kill her off. So there's an urgency and there's a little worry, but it's not, I don't know, it didn't feel like a high stakes decision to me. And maybe that's coloring how I see how I see the rest of it, because I wasn't really truly ever worried about Zan. Yeah. And I think that actually that's one of the hilarious things. When I mentioned earlier that they didn't really contact anybody about it, that actually made it even more low stakes. Because in the past, whenever we've kind of run into situations where they're like, do we, you know, for example, way back in the beginning when they're like, do we leave Rigel um, kidnapped by pirates or yeah. do we go after him? Or like, do we kill Moya and they've got a secret or, you know, any of the or, you know, do we let Aaron die in mm-hmm. Nerve? Like all of these episodes, there have been like big discussions about it and that made it feel more real and so the fact that like there's literally no communal (laughs) discussion about this kind of makes it like well i mean no worries zan's gonna survive (laughs) you know yeah i mean that doesn't mean i like this scene any less because actually i really do enjoy this scene a lot oh yeah definitely i think it's definitely i mean i think okay so we talked way back at the season one wrap not way back I mean I guess it's only been seven episodes but we talked at the season one wrap about how we wish there was more of a relationship between female characters on this show and I think that this episode just delivers that in spades because Mm -hmm. you've got Aaron and Zan you have Chiana and Altana and so it's like two kind of clearly strong relationships that I'm like yay finally women talking to other women (laughs) (laughs) yeah no, that's that's good. And yeah, and, and uh, the other thing that, that's really nice about closing out uh, Aaron and Zan's storyline is they talk at the end. Mm-hmm. So the boys and Chiana return to Moya with the Kidva that John killed, and they have Kidva barbecue, Carolina style. And so Zan is like eating like her fourth helping and Aaron is serving her. And it's just, I don't know, I just love this little this little scene between the two of them where, where Zan's the one apologizing for things and... And there's a little bit of an awkward start, but it's it's really nice. Pilot is very relieved that you're recovering. As much as I suffered, your experience was was also painful. I only made it more difficult for you. You weren't yourself, Sam. No, I was the mindless savage I accused you of being. It wasn't very pleasant reverting back to such a primitive vicious state I'm sorry for what I said here eat don't talk (laughs) there's just such an easy forgiveness about Aaron there that is just really really nice and it just shows you know she recognizes it wasn't really Zan she knows she was out of her mind because of her altered state and it was I don't know I just really love that exchange between them Yeah, I I really like that exchange, too. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's a good closeout. And then Dargo and Shiana also get a nice closeout. So let's play that, and then we can kind of chat about it. You must be happy to be out of there. 
You can't understand her, girl. Understand what? Loss. I understand that. It's not a big thing. Gianna, you don't have to put on an act for me. Dago, I do what I do to survive. Can't you just let it go? I can only let go when I feel safe. You are safe. Am I? And then, immediately after that, Dargo comes up to her and kisses her very gently and then walks out. And Gianna says, whoa. I didn't record that part because it takes like two minutes to get to that point. (laughs) (laughs) There would be a lot of dead air. But it's really, it's a really sweet kind of ending. And you can kind of feel it being the beginning of how the relationship is between Gianna and Dargo is changing. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I like about that is it's it really brings up, you know, how Chiana has survived. She's survived by playing her own emotions close and keeping others at bay. And it's actually not that dissimilar to Aaron in a couple, some ways. It's mm-hmm. like people getting close to me means I'm going to get hurt. So I'm not going to let them get close. And here's Dargo trying to get past that. He says, you know, you don't have to pretend with me. You don't have to have this facade up with me. Mm-hmm you're safe here and she's she doesn't believe him still which is you know fair enough they haven't been together as a crew long enough for for all those barriers to get down because those are really hard barriers to get down Mm -hmm. earlier we kind of talked about where they're both coming from like chiana's arc of kind of her finding this place safe and then her having to deal with maybe the consequences of her actions and her having to decide whether or not she's going to sell herself to save her new family and Dargo's arc of kind of possessiveness and uh, a little bit of like over assertiveness and him trying to make decisions for her. And now it kind of comes down to it actually really being Chiana's opinion. Like it mm-hmm. really being Chiana, do you feel safe enough to let someone else in? Mm-hmm. And that makes it yeah. really about her and less kind of about her actions and her past. Yeah, which is what I really like about, you know, Bar- Dargo just putting it out there. I'm interested in you. I care about you. And then he walks away, taking his presence away, like taking the pressure off mm-hmm. of like he's not waiting for her to do something his way. He's leaving her the time and space she needs to do it on her own terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. So what did you think of this episode? What would you give it? I'd probably give it a really solid three. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's it actually surprised me how much... I didn't remember about this one because this is kind of this episode is a little tough because it's in the midst of some really excellent episodes like way we weren't is really recent. The next couple episodes are a lot more stick in my mind than this one does. So mm-hmm. yeah, three, three and a half. As I said, it it didn't like go that extra little bit yeah. for me. I don't know. Maybe it, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed about it because I kind of want to say four because for some of it, but then less for some of the other parts. And I'm rambling. <laughs> what would you give it? <laughs> I, I I agree. Like, I think definitely three, three and a half. Like, I think that this is just one of those really good, solid Farscape mm-hmm. episodes, if that makes sense. Because oh, yeah. it's, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Farscape has episodes that are like zero <laughs> but, um, or like a negative one. 
And Farscape also has episodes that are like, you know, five and a half, six. Do you know what I mean? In terms of quality. And I just feel like this is just a good, solid episode that like does what it intended to do. Got yeah. some nice character stuff, some good action scenes, some comedy in it, some drama. Mm-hmm. It's just a good, solid, quality Farscape episode. And it moves the character arcs forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they're definitely yeah. in a different place than they were when they started. Yeah. On Wardrobe Watch, Shiana's the one who gets a new wardrobe. She has is no longer wearing the kind of gray leopard print. The, it was not really leopard printy, but, you know, the, with the... The fur, cobwebs, <laughs> the fur. She's got a new, uh, a new outfit, which is still gray, but it's close fitting. I think it looks great on her. Oh yeah, it looks excellent, and it's super clearly like a sexy because she like comes out and she's like, "Oh, do you think he'll like remember that I stole from him if I'm wearing this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dargo's jaw kind of drops, but at the same time, it's not like it's not like a soup. It's not like a sex kitten kind of outfit. Mm-hmm. It's still very practical, you know, leather type sturdy material it's just very form-fitting and it just looks great on her Mm -hmm. I think that is like the other like nice thing I like about Chiana is that like even though we've got that exposed midriff thing her outfits are never the kind of outfits that make me roll my eyes do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. because there have been like a few sci-fi shows where like they introduce and I mean first skip kind of does it later on with like a character but there have been definitely been some episodes of TV where I like I'm like oh this character is supposed to be sexy because I can literally see everything except for her nipples do you yes. know what I mean and like yeah. that's not the feeling you really get with Chiana like you get the feeling she's sexy because they do it like without and I and I don't want to be like slut shamey here or like sex negative here it's more just that I'm like I like the way they costume Chiana yes yeah it still feels functional yeah it's not like armor that only covers like a third of your body yeah right <laughs> so shout out to princeless who's pointed out that like that armor is non-functional as armor yeah everyone else is pretty much in what they've been wearing and zan has spores on her face that's kind of spores fun. on her face i love john's coat like john's season two coat oh my gosh oh i love I love it so much. Like when he yeah. first comes on the boozong and he's like wearing it. And I'm like, because uh, it does, it feels super westerny, you know, with like those oh, yeah. boots. And I'm like, yeah. I really like it. Yeah. No, it's funny because when Farscape was airing, it was concurrent with Buffy and the first couple seasons of Angel. Mm. And, or at least sometime, I can't remember the exact dates. But anyway, so you had like John's coat always reminded me of like Angel and Spike's coats oh, they're yeah. really just long and leather and duster and john's isn't fully leather it's uh, a lot more of a flowy material but it's it's just great fun yeah all right so if you have any thoughts on dargo and chiana or any of the other things we talked about this episode you can get in contact with us we are farscape friday podcast at gmail tumblr we are farscape fry on twitter and we are also on dream with farscape friday podcast And next week, we have Dream a Little Dream, which is also pretty good, I think. Yeah, I think so. This is the first episode we are recording post the Netflix taking down of Farscape, which actually really messed us up for a little bit because I had to go find my DVDs and I had no (laughs) idea where they were. (laughs) But yeah, sad Netflix. Bring it back. (laughs) I haven't investigated alternative places that you could maybe watch it, so... If anyone needs help finding episodes, let us know and we will see if we can dig anything up for you. Yeah. 
All right. Have a wonderful week, everybody. We'll see you next Friday. Bye-bye.